Welcome to Music Nerds Unite. This is Scott Floman again with my brother Keith Floman and our buddy Larry Waldman. In this episode, we'll be completing the second round of our Greatest Rock Album Tournament covering the years 2000 to 2019. One note beforehand, we got some feedback and we huddled up and we realized that some of the music clips have been getting a bit long. So we're going to shorten them, more like how we did at the beginning when we started adding music clips, but with much better sound quality. Okay, let's get to the matchups. The first matchup is the number four overall seed, Suffolk. Hey, before, before we're going to have to um, have a debate about the best song with Jesus and its name in this bracket. We just heard Jesus by the brand new, and we've got Jesus by Wilco coming up later, so... Well, we're not going to play it, though. But, yeah, Jesus, etc. We played that previously. Right. So, and that's something to think about. That's a, that's a good one. Well, all right. At some right. point, we'll have to we're give our verdict. We're not total heathens, even though we're, yeah. <laughs> we yeah, doubt it. rounds, maybe, yeah. But okay. we can talk about that when we talk about the Jesus songs. Yeah. All right. So the first matchup is the number four overall seed, Sufjan Stevens with Illinois from 2005 versus the number 13 overall feed, LCD Sound System with Sound of Silver from 2007. 27 people, even more, they were boys with their cars, summer jobs, oh my God. Brief snippet from John Wayne Gacy Jr., one of the best songs ever about a serial killer. That's another possible podcast, right? Best songs about serial killers? Maybe not. <laughs> about clown. There are, few, there are a few. There are a few. Yeah. But so there are book available about serial killers dressed up like clowns. No. That's number one, probably. That's this a shorter probably. list. That's a shorter list. Yeah. So again, the Suff Jan is going up against LCD Sound System. Uh, sound of silver, here's North American scum. Oh, I don't know, I don't know oh, where to begin. We are North Americans. And for those of you who still think we're from England, we're not, no. We put our planes and our trains till we think we might die. Far from North America, where the buildings are old and you might have lots of mimes. First up, Illinois. 
And I'm going to keep this short because in episode 29, we talked in detail about this album. For example, we talked about Sufjan Stevenson's Since Aborted 50 States project and how Illinois fit within that. And I don't think it was a real project. I think you. I think you just said that. I think you. I think I, it was a gimmick. Yeah. Well, we kind of said that. Yeah. He. I don't think he, it was ever. It was never meant to be completed. But yeah. Like, no way. Yeah. I mean, it, I hope he does kind of go back to it because you know I think it it's an interesting concept, but uh, you know he's got to be feeling it obviously. Yeah. I mean, um, a, a whole album about West Virginia. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it all depends on the state, I guess. John Denver's already done West Virginia justice, so there you go. Musically, Illinois, sometimes also referred to as "Come on, feel the Illinois," is very pretty and lush. Uh, you know, I guess this is another one of those albums you can call wimp rock or twee pop or baroque pop or chamber pop, whatever label you want to give it. This is really good stuff. Whether you want a history lesson about Sushan Stevens' personal life in the state of Illinois, or if you just want to listen to some pretty gentle melodies, Illinois is a uniquely creative, totally immersive world unto itself type of album. I hear horns. I'm not. I'm not ready for a fucking horn yet, but I hear <laughs> horns. We'll come back to that. That was come on, feel the Illinois. By the way, uh, there's just so much to digest with this album: the orchestrations, the horns and woodwinds, the creative vocals, including backing choirs. But it also delivers too much of a good thing at 22 songs over 74 minutes. Though some of the songs are super short and are more interludes than proper songs. Still, filler, especially on side two, is a minor problem here. And at this stage of the game, even minor problems tend to loom large. On to LCD Sound System, who we also talked about previously in episode 29. LCD are arguably the premier electronic dance oriented rock band of this era, and Sound of Silver is probably their best and best known album. It's highlighted by three songs that are absolute classics, including Someone Great and their best song, and All Timer with the epic All My Friends, both of which we played previously. And then there's the album finale, New York, I Love You, But You're Bringing Me Down, which you're going to play now. Maybe I'm right, and just maybe she's wrong. Maybe she's wrong, and maybe I'm right, and it's so easy. 
classic tune. You can't tell by that clip, but a lot of the songs actually could be described as a ballad, right? That that definitely not that section, uh, but before and after it, uh, it's a lot mellower. So I ran through the rest of the songs on the album previously, so I won't reiterate any of that here, other than to note again that some of their influences include David Bowie and Brian Eno in Berlin, Kraftwerk, The Velvet Underground, of course, New Order, The Talking Heads, and even Prince. Sound of Silver is among the best albums of the 2000s as it matches consistently creative groove-based music to clever, earnest lyrics. You could dance to it, rock out to it, and be emotionally moved by it as well. Ultimately, Sound of Silver has higher highs and far less lows than Illinois, which might be a victim of its own ambition to some degree. Both are great albums, but I fully expect Sound of Silver to move on here. This was uh, this was a relatively straightforward one for me. Mostly, I, I mean, I still listen to Sound of Silver all the time, whereas the first time I listened to Illinois since it probably came out was in preparation for this uh, this tournament. <clears throat> also, like, although I do think Illinois is a great work of art, it's just not an album I think I would put on just randomly to listen to it or even to pull a few songs out where I would listen to All Sound of Silver and I would listen to several of the songs in a playlist or just randomly. Um, I think that it's... Again, Illinois is, is pretty amazing in the scope and breadth of what Seth Jen Stevens is trying to do. And the fact that he's essentially doing it all by himself is, is pretty epic. It, it is, as you mentioned, Scott, a great history lesson if you actually listen to it. Some of them are a little cringy, like the John Wayne Gacy one. Um, but it's, it's you know, between the ambition, the music, and how he's able to put it together it is a tremendous work of art, but it's just not something that I'm going to go to all the time, which I will for Sound of Silver. And I think I made a mention in the first round, there are a couple of albums in this tournament that I think we could have put up in our first tournament. And for me, this would be one of them. So this one is going on. What can I say? I mean, Sound of Silver met its match in the first round against Brave Little Advocates, but, you know... <laughs> something weird happened and it, it it made its way through but you know it's to me it's the rightful winner in this in this particular matchup and again i, I do think Sufjan created a you know essentially a masterpiece with this with this album you know in a lot of ways and i do think that um you know i think larry's underselling a little bit the strengths of some of the songs you know the individual songs on the album because there are some like great, literally, you know, all time great songs on the album. Um, but it's, it is, it's long. It's, it's, you know, it's ambitious. It's meandering. It's, you know, it, it makes it harder. It, it's a harder album to retain your interest through, you know, the, the entirety of it. Whereas, you know, LCD is just, you know, a blast from, um, from beginning, you know, first song is great, last song is great, everything in between is is compelling and it's got one of the all-time, literally one of the all-time greatest songs, um, you know, smack in the middle. So, you know, I get it. It's, in some ways, it's a little bit of an upset because I think Illinois, you know, they both are top, you know, decade albums and Illinois ranks a little higher on best ever. Um, 
So we got a number one seed getting knocked out for the second time in a row here. Um, but it's number one, number one seed in this uh, section. Yeah. In this sec- yeah, in this bracket, in this bracket. So we had uh, Godspeed losing last in the last bracket. We've got um, you know Sufjan getting knocked out here, and again, it's it's the right call. Uh, Is it an upset if it's unanimous though, and we didn't really have to think that hard about it? Well, like I said, it's you know I I think that there are avenues you know places you can look where you'd say <clears throat> again right Sufjan is a classic it's a classic album and um, you know I, I'm sure there are there w- would be dissenters if you get a broad enough you know cross section of music nerds that sort of you know uh, where Sufjan is a music nerd it's, it's certainly a music nerd album right it's, I think it's, he's a music nerd artist in general yeah yep yep um, it's ironic that he doesn't have one of the Jesus songs in the uh, in the bracket, but I'm sure there are allusions to it in uh, in some of the songs. That's a good point because he may be the most religious artist uh, in this tournament. But I mean, anyway, let me ask you about Sufjan too. I I I think Scott, you mentioned like there's a there's a little bit of filler on it, and yeah, I, I probably am underselling some of the songs, but. I even think some of his later albums, although maybe not rivaling it as a work of art, are just better albums. Like, Carrie Lowell's a better album, I think, than Illinois. It just, I don't know, maybe it's a little bit more heartfelt, it's a little bit more emotional. I just, I, I would listen to that probably more than I would to this. Maybe we could do a, uh, like we did for Melancholy, and do a little bit of creative editing to Illinois and make it a tighter album. Yeah, I mean, Carrie and Lowell is... Uh probably maybe half as long right so sometimes less is more and it it's a totally different kind of album one is baroque and lush and and you know very uh fleshed out and and one is very stripped down so what's what shows how talented he is is that he could do like you know albums that are basically polar polar opposites of each other in that respect and they're both excellent so very talented guy but uh LCD sound system is going to move on. And uh, the next matchup, we have the number four. Just, just, I, I, w- I would just to add to that, because I do think that Sufjan does have a body of work that's worth exploring, right? That he has a number of albums yeah. that are, um, you know, different enough where, where you, there's something, there's something to be found. And, and if you had a, you know, even though he's not necessarily a singles Artists, you know, a best of from Sufjan would be a great, would in itself be a, really a, a, a great listen. Yeah, definitely worth checking out. Okay, uh, the next matchup, we have the number five overall seed, Arcade Fire's Funeral from 2004 versus the number 21 overall seed, Brand New, with the devil and God are raging inside me from 2006.
funeral is going up again. It's brand new. The devil and God are raging inside me. Here's sowing season. Yeah. about the Canadian scene of the 2000s and the importance of Arcade Fire in prior episodes. We talked ha- about how the lush, passionate, majestic, and anthemic music of Arcade Fire is big in every way, and we talked about the backstory of the album, how it's so named due to the recent deaths of several band members' relatives. And again, it's a big band with a lot of members. Though Wynn Butler is the main singer and frontman, along with Regine, his wife, who also occasionally sings lead as well, like on Haiti, which we just played. This album is often sadly atmospheric and elegaic, yet their intense music is also undeniably joyous and life-affirming. The band's layered sound, including accordions, lush strings, shimmering guitars, delicate piano, and booming drums, is at once instantly familiar yet entirely their own. Here's a clip from the intense neighborhood number three, whose edgy rhythmic energy recalls early U2 crossed with the talking heads. Beautifully orchestrated, yet often quite rocking anthems often ascend to soaring crescendos. Though maybe you can make a case that the band comes close to going overboard with the theatrics at times. Still, if you're going to find fault with the band, find fault with them being overly ambitious. Besides, Arcade Fire hit their mark head on the vast majority of the time, often with thrilling and poignant results. On to brand new, the decided underdog in this matchup. And again, we already talked about this band and album in detail before, about lead singer Jesse Lacey's troubling personal history 
and about how the music on The Devil and God are raging inside me is an impressive mix of emo, punk pop, post-hardcore, and even metal music. Though if I had to pick only one label, it would be emo. Side 1 is incredibly intense and is pretty close to flawless. Side 2 is merely very good and veers into more different directions, stylistically speaking. The Devil and God are raging inside me is a dark, despairing, incredibly intense, angst-filled album that's filled with raw emotion. Most of the songs feature soft to loud, calm before the storm dynamics, and typically when the storm hits, it's extremely explosive and powerful. Lacey is one heck of a screamer, and you really feel the emotion in the vocals when he lets loose. Musically, there's a certain formula to the soft to loud song template, but but it's a damn good formula. And this intense and emotional album is strong from start to finish, with many highlights along the way. We played their best known song, Jesus Christ, in this episode intro, and Sowing Season in this matchup intro. And here's another one you won't know. two great albums here but unfortunately for brand new this is a case where a great album is going up against an all-time great album funeral moves on here and i'll be shocked if it isn't unanimous i don't know if i'll be shocked if it's not unanimous because i i feel like you know this is one of keith's babies so maybe but uh you know i i kind of agree i mean i have to confess i had not heard this album until we started this tournament i had heard i think one or two of the songs for sure i definitely had heard jesus christ and i think i think i'd either heard you won't know or maybe sewing season i can't remember now but i'd never listened to the entire album before and wow. I, do, we, do we do we suspend his music nerd car i know you might have to right remember i had i had like a little bit of a hiatus at one point um but i i almost wish it wasn't going against funeral because I think against a couple of other match not not I think I know against a couple of other matchups I would put it forward sort of like I did with Godspeed in one round because I still I'm still listening to this album I'm still absorbing this album I'm still getting into this album and I probably will still continue to do so but I can't have it be funeral and funeral to me is an all-time album despite the fact that Rolling Stone in its latest 500 put it at 500 which is fucking appalling and is why we make fun of them and we could have a whole episode where we just rip that list to shreds so but uh it's um funeral to me i i mean it's we're going to continue to talk about it since it's going to move on so maybe i should say but it is an all-timer for me it's an epic album it it's a to me it's a perfect album in that it is an album like you can sense the theme that scott talked about of loss 
and it's aptly named, but also musically. It has a very consistent theme, even though all of the songs, and many of them are all-timers, are completely different. There are consistent themes that emerge and, and come into multiple different songs as you're listening to it. And I think it's one that continues to get better as it ages. So tough spot for Devil and God um, and for, you know, brand new, but they're going to have to hope for a, a consolation bracket, maybe. Yeah, tough, tough draw for them. Great tough. album. And I can't use a telephone to tell you that I'm dead and gone. So you won't know. It's fucking poetry, man. <laughs> poetry. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of quotable lines in that album. There's so yeah. many quotable lines in 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 that in this album. Um, look, I. It's a bad draw, right? They're facing a juggernaut, and while brand new is definitely one of my babies, and it is it, you know, if I had to see, you know, if I had to personally rank albums you know this album would be making it into you know into the next round you know as one of my as one of my favorites because it is you know it's 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 got life man it's it you know it kicks your ass it's um it's it makes you feel um there's a lot of depth to it it's it's a great album but I would say that Funeral is one of my albums too. You know, it was one of the albums that when it came out, you know, I was blown away by from probably the first listen. And, you know, I've been on board ever since, you know, um, it's, you know, again, you know, I, we, I've talked about, you know, Kid A being a giant in the, you know, in, you know, for this era, but Funeral is right there with it in terms of being sort of the iconic, album representing you know and and influencing everything that that came after it so um arcade is the rightful um you know winner in this matchup but only because you know that that's how majestic and grand uh funeral is because you know brand new is in itself you know i don't want to you know throw too many um you know be overly you know complimentary of every everything that we're talking about but to me brand new is one of also sort of a, a giant in its own subgenre um and it, it you know it carries it it does carry it did carry the torch for you know that type of emotional you know hard you know heavier music um but unfortunately it's uh it's getting dropped yep I say uh, a couple last things. I think if you had one word to sum up both albums, it would be passion, right? I mean, both of these albums just are so overflowing with passion. Uh, two iconic album covers as well. Uh, I, I think the Arcade Fire they just have a uniqueness about it, just like the way they integrate pianos into their into their like you could say anthemic rock music is just such a unique sound to it. I think uh, not to mention how it, I mean the band it's it's like broken social scene. There's so many people in the band. I mean, Keith and I saw them live a couple of years ago. There must have been like, I don't know, it felt like there were 20 people on that stage. They're probably hard, but it certainly felt and sounded like that. And it yeah. certainly adds to the overall experience, right? Like to just have that many um, And people. they get into it too, yeah. Mm -hmm. And there's, there's a, 
I, I, we probably mentioned, you probably, I think, Scott, you mentioned the last episode, which is the Bowie um, yeah. uh, wake up rendition uh, at, you know, in, in concert, which is sort of leads, you know, a good lead into the next. Uh, yeah. Thing. I think that I'll the, add. The guy with the washboard, I think it's called, or accordion, whatever, he totally steals the show in that video. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I'll say that I'm, I'm brand new on Devils. I'm brand new, by the way. You know, the song Luca is a reference to Luca Brazzi from The Godfather. And you, if you so if you read the lyrics, um, you can tell. <laughs> <laughs> I did not know that. Now I'll have to go into that. that yeah, like, yeah. With a, a new... Uh, a new vision on what that song's like. Unfortunately, brand new sleeps with the fishes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I got a question for you guys. What's the second best arcade fire album? Suburbs. I, I don't care. I don't, honestly, I don't care. <laughs> I mean, you know, Neon Bible and Suburbs are both. Yeah, both Neon Bible. I would agree with Larry, the suburbs, although it's a little too long. It could have been even better. But, right. it's, but it's also, you know, it's, you know, it's one, of, again, it's one of those bands where their first album, right, is so sort of iconic that it's, it's almost inevitable that you will have a letdown in, yeah. you know, everything that comes after it and. But they weren't um, really because they're, they're classics in their own right. It's, it's just minor classics versus a major classic. Yeah, you know, I wouldn't. Yeah, call but it that's a there's a. I would I would call. I mean, again, it's a letdown in that, um, you know, it just doesn't raise rise to the same the same level that Funeral is at, and you know, but they're great I, albums I, in my opinion. They're great albums, but I can't I can't say that I'm not a little disappointed when. The promise, uh, you know, that uh, of greatness is not sort of, you know, it's the high bar as opposed to, you know, a bar that, right? Because again, you know, the best, the greatest, right? There's another level <laughs> that the greatest of the greats reach, and Arcade Fire, as great as they've been, and as great as the promise of Funeral yeah. was. It's right. It, they they've they haven't achieved that same. That, you know, that's they, fair. They, they didn't achieve that because, especially since four and albums four and five were, were not at the same level as even two and three. So yeah, you have an all time great album, but maybe just a great band, not an all time great band. Right. You have we'll the you have that. the prospect of a potential Radiohead, yeah. right? And, and or, or you know some other you know that that type of potential and. They're not there. They're not there, and um, so for me, that there, you, you know, you could sort of hope that that could have been what the future led to, and it didn't. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Let's go to the next matchup. We have the number three overall seed, David Bowie, with Black Star from 2016, versus the number 19 overall seed, The National, with Boxer from 2007. <laughs>
I Can't Give Everything Away, the last track on Bowie's last album. And again, Blackstar is going up against the Nationals boxer. previously that black star is likely influenced by radiohead and i can hear that and bowie was a rare old time who had his pulse on modern music he was a vocal fan of arcade fire who we just talked about and tv on the radio for example again we're in the second round here so we've talked about both these albums in detail before with bowie there's the impossible to ignore backstory how the album was finished and released just two days before his death from cancer we talked about how saxman Donnie McCaslin was the unsung hero of the album, which you uh, heard in that clip there and doing some great stuff. And you also heard how it's a beautifully atmospheric mood album that's the jazziest and least rock-based album of Bowie's career. Not all of these songs are classics, but the title track and Lazarus, which we played previously, are all-time Bowie tunes. And every song here is worth hearing as this is one of those immersive albums where you need to play the whole thing in order to get the full impact of it. That said, we're going to play another clip here with the memorably titled Tis a Pity She Was a Whore. Hopefully you caught the woo at the end. There. Fucking horns with the horns. You got a woo, man. Horns. You don't get better. That's like perfection. Well, what more can we ask for? <laughs> I, I got fucking. I got horns and I got woos. Yeah, 
A plus song. You had, you, you had me at woo. <laughs> Black Star is one of the best final albums and one of the best death pet albums ever recorded. Is this all-time legend generously left us one last parting gift before entering the great beyond far too soon. On to the national. Is that, is that is that a is that a thing? Deathbed albums? Like is there... uh, you said that in the last in the last episode, so <laughs> I, I only know I, I, I'll credit you for that. I only know two deathbed albums, <laughs> Black Star and Requiem by Mozart. So you know also what, the uh War, say, Warren Warren Givon, the Last oh, Leonard Cohen oh, album. A deathbed album, yeah, that's right. Time, a time out of mind you can make a case for Dylan. Well, you know, he had the heart condition, not dark yet. Johnny Cash, Johnny Cash. Here we go. That's another episode. Maybe it's a thing. Yeah, Yeah, it could be a thing. All right. All right. So we're going to move on to the National and their 2007 album, Boxer, which is probably their best album, though they have several other contenders as they're a consistently first-rate band. Boxer has mostly excellent songs, and it has an agreeably melancholic, ethereal overall mood. The band excels at beautifully atmospheric ballads and, less often, slow-building rockers. And lyrically, this is music made by adults for adults, with consistently superb and thought-provoking lyrics by Matt Berninger. Berninger's deep, crooned vocals are also highly distinctive, if somewhat monotonous over the long haul, and Brian Devendorf's excellent drumming also stands out. I listed song highlights in episode 30, where we played Fake Empire and Mistaken for Strangers, and we played Apartment Story in this matchup intro. Here's another standout track with Brainy. Like with the prior national matchup with Sun Kill Moon, we have two albums here that are mostly mellow and melancholic, that are cohesive and mature, and that are maybe at times a little lacking in, it, in excitement and variety. With such a dynamic drummer, I wish that the national would let loose a little more. But given he's the great. Album, he's, he's awesome. He's great. You know, but again, given the album's high overall quality, this kind of amounts to nitpicking anyway. That said, ultimately, Black Star is a bit more unique and memorable overall, and it also has that incredible backstory going for it. I have Bowie moving on here, and I'm curious how you guys are going to vote on this one. Larry, you're pointing to me. You think I... All right, let's go, Keith. You're up. Yeah, first. Yep. Um, you know, I'm a national fanboy, for sure. Um, you know, to me, Alligator is great, too. Um, almost you know, more of a, more high points from a single standpoint. Um, 
but box is a great it's it's a great album and, and i agree with scott and in, in, like it's and i've mentioned this for other albums too right that it's restrained in a way that um you almost wish that they were less restrained right like i, I think they have more in the tank than um than they let loose on the on the actual album but you know it's it is is it is a good it's a great album. I loved it when it came out. I was waiting for it when it came out because I was an alligator fan before. Um, and, you know, I just think that they're one of the great, you know, contemporary rock bands of the two thousands for sure. Right there. They're, um, and beyond. Yeah. I mean, the, yeah. I mean, it, 2000s being 2000s and beyond yeah, they are, the they are one covered of by rock. this tournament. Yep. Right, exactly. Um, to me, this matchup. So I'll, the analogy I'll make for this matchup that you guys have left about is, um, you know, again, right. This is the right. Uh, the Nationals relatively young in their career when Boxer came out. I think it's their third or third album, third, third LP, album. fourth, fourth, yeah, fourth LP, and they had some EPs too, which you know, which were quality, but. You know, again, they were still sort of early in their career, and Bowie is sort of, you know, the icon, the iconic, <laughs> right, the iconic figure. Um, so my analogy is Robin Ventura getting hit by a Nolan Ryan fastball. <laughs> Explain. I charging that. charges the mound. She used to get pummeled. By the aging, by the aging veteran, the aging, by the by the aging, you know, icon, right? And to me, that's that is this matchup. It's you know, it's the young lions against the aging, you know, the veteran on his on his last legs, but still with some freaking popping his uh, pep in his step. And um, so you pass it to me, Larry. Maybe expecting you know my vote to go national, but um, I'm. You know, I'm I'm Team Blackstar in, in this one, and you know it, it is. And I, you know, I said it. You know, I I sort of let Blackstar pass by me when it came out. Um, you know, I'm I'm sort of you know I air towards the more current. You know, um, and I have lower expectations from you know the older older artists, but you know Blackstar is certainly. Um, Deserve it's you know it deserves its place and you know he freaking he he killed it um he killed it in this album you know it's it's a piece that you know is a lasting memory it's it like you said it's sort of a different type of album but um you know he brings the horns he brings the woos and uh he brings um you know a lot of the uh you know a lot of the Bowie out, you know, he's it's Bowie. You know, it's it's like um it is a too, right? I mean, yeah, we, we it's, it's, haven't talked about that. But it, you know, it's it's all around, right? Lyrically, you know, it's it's deep, it's got depth from a emotional standpoint. Musically, it's diverse. Um, there's just a lot there. Um, and he leaves it all, he leaves it all on the table. And it's just you know, they are they are similar albums in in a sense, in that you know, again, they're both mature, you know, the Nationals are mature as 
they were a mature artist for um you know for for their time and um and more so than you know than alligator was that you know again they're they're restrained but they're they've got a driving you know bass drum uh you know component to their music it's it's driving they 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 themselves bring the horns um but in the end i think bowie's just got a little bit more you know there's a little bit greater there's a, there's just a, a little bit more greatness to what black star brought to the table so. a, little, a little more gravity i think overall as well yeah, yeah there's but there's gravity there's gravity and levity at the same time which is sort of you know which is refreshing too um but the gravity the gravity is That's you know it, it's of. well it's just it's the undertone to the entire to the entire thing um so yeah uh up yeah black star via uppercuts and i, I would uh Put my two cents in for High Violet as well by The National, another great album. Uh, yep, that, that could have been in here also. The National, The National is a great band, and and I, I think it's a great album. But I did, I did toss it to Keith because knowing that he's a National fanboy, I I wasn't sure where he was going to go. I actually wasn't a hundred percent sure where you were going to go either, Scott, on this one. Um, so so that is what. But I, I am I'm going to make it unanimous as well. And and you guys have heard my story with Black Star, where for those who didn't hear the previous podcast or whichever round we're in now, I literally listened to this album late at night and was for whatever reason was super focused on it and was listening to the lyrics and thinking, my God, this sounds like a farewell. And then woke up the next morning and David Bowie had died. But even beyond its personal resonance and meaning for me. I just think it's a great fucking album. I mean, it is like like Keith was saying, like Scott was saying, lyrically, sonically, it's it's got a depth and a gravity that you don't necessarily get. And yes, the story makes it better. If David Bowie was still amongst us right now, I don't know if maybe we would think exactly the same. I, I'm I'm sure that that does affect some of our perception of it. But it's also it's a phenomenal jazz rock album it's also a phenomenal jazz album too and and the, the the jazz players that he brought in which i think we've talked about before were a band not just session players so there's a tightness to it similar to how we talked about um astral weeks in our previous tournament and so this is also an album where every time i listen to it i hear something new or i pick up something different or something that maybe i didn't quite catch before and it's it for me this was this was a relatively easier one in in our matchups for tonight so david bowie unanimous have to admit i'm a little surprised oh uh i'm three for three thus far I'll, i will say <laughs> wait what see i have to send you guys my pick before the episode so that i you know but you can't open it until the conclusion that's how i should have done it but i i wasn't sure about this one I did think Keith was going to go to the national. I did think Bowie was going to edge by with me and Larry taking it. But uh, this next one is actually the one I'm the least sure about. So uh, let's get to this one. Number six overall seat Interpol with turn on the bright lights from 2002 versus the number 11 overall seat Wilco with Yankee Hotel Foxtrot from 2002.
again, turn on the bright lights. It's going up against Yankee Hotel Fox Shop by Wilco. This is a heavyweight matchup, maybe the best matchup in our tournament so far, as I think both of these terrific albums will be worthy Final Four albums. But as we've discussed previously, these tournaments are all about the matchups, so one of these albums will be prematurely sent packing here. Again, although I also compared them to other bands as well previously, you can't talk about Interpol without talking about Joy Division. And as we've made clear many times, we all freaking love Joy Division. I do slightly disagree with Larry in that I do think this album is somewhat front-loaded. It's not that the later songs aren't very good, because the majority of them are, but they tend to blend together for me more, and are more grower tracks and instant obvious standouts, like Untitled, Obstacle Number 1, NYC, and PDA, which we just played in this matchup intro. That said, I've grown to love some of the later tracks as well, like Stella was a diver and she was always down in this one, the new. to overlook since it's tucked away as the second to last track on the album. I don't know if you guys will agree, but uh, I hear some REM in that tune. What do you guys think? Definitely. Yeah. And I think there's, well, maybe we'll, I'll wait till you do your, your piece on it, but uh, I always hear 
there, there's obvious joy division comparisons, but I sometimes even hear a little bit of the Smiths too when I listen to yeah. it. Yeah, earlier definitely. Afternoon and they were one of the other bands I mentioned, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But definitely, REM is definitely there too. For sure. I also want to somewhat disagree with Keith as well as Larry. In episode 30, Keith said that bright lights changed music. And that's a bit of an overstatement. It's a great and influential album, that, but there was nothing really new about it. And chart-wise, it wasn't a huge commercial album, nor did it have any mainstream radio hits. The Wilco album, like the Bowie album, has a compelling backstory, which we talked about previously in episode 30. I also have a long history with Wilco. They mean a lot to me personally. For example, my review of their album being there was my first published article for Goldmine Magazine way back in 1996. To me, they are easily the better band overall. And their run of albums from, say, 1996 through 2007, or maybe even through 2011, is among the best in rock history. They're a great live band as well. It's hard to believe that this album was originally rejected by their record company for being too uncommercial. Songs such as Camera, War on War, and Heavy Metal Drummer, which we played in this matchup intro, are nothing if not catchy pop songs. And it's worth noting that Heavy Metal Drummer also resides within an important subgenre of music that also includes songs like Cheap Chick Surrender and Weezer's In the Garage. Can you guys name this important subgenre of music? Band uh, songs that reference Kiss. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> songs that mention Kiss in the lyrics. It's war and war. in there in addition to so it's a war so it's a war on war it's a war on war <laughs> just 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 so, want to clarify in case it wasn't just want to clarify yeah in addition to some great pop songs yankee hotel foxtrot features many adventurous experimental moments and with this atmospheric and richly textured album many people started calling wilco the american radiohead which is quite a compliment but one i feel that they lived up to so I have Wilco moving on here, which is one reason why I had some minor criticisms of Keith and Larry's prior assessments a bit earlier to build my case for Wilco. Part of my verdict is due to my longstanding personal connection to Wilco, but I also think that Yankee Hotel Foxtrot is the more original and distinctive album. It's the album where you're more likely to discover new things over time. The Interpol album is fantastic too, but it's more singular in focus, more homogenous, 
And as such, the individual songs don't stand out for me as much. Woku moves on for me here, but I have a feeling I'm going to end up getting outvoted in this mashup. Let's find out. And and Larry, at the very least, my pick of Woku should please your Woku fanboy friends, right? That's, it, it will definitely please my Woku fanboy friends. Um, before revealing my pick and potentially displeasing my Woku fanboy friends of JV and John, um, I'm going to say, so both of these albums are... are pretty meaningful to me. Yankee Hotel Foxtrot, probably even more so because when I got the album, when I got the CD, it coincided with a time in my life where I was having to do a lot of long drives and I would listen to this album like almost on repeat. And so it, it became part of a fabric of, of a certain era of my life. And it, it also became like associated with some, you know, pretty heavy things going on. Not, not necessarily in a bad way, meaning like in, in an almost an uplifting way. And despite the fact that you're vehemently disagreeing with Keith and I on many things today, I'm going to agree with you that I think that overall Wilco is the better band and Wilco has the better catalog. Like, you know, you take your top two Wilco albums and they're probably better than the top two Interpol albums. And certainly you take the entire catalog and it's, it's significantly better. I think Wil Wilco definitely has more lo uh, longevity. There's, there's better overall albums um as maybe a slight rebuttal to you scott i will throw a quote i won't say from where it's from but there was a, a discussion about how you know interpol is sort of like a band of the early 2000s in new york in that whole scene which a lot of the albums that we've talked about a lot of the bands are from that but the quote is suggesting that this album is simply a product of its time and place is no less naive than suggesting that anyone who has ever been in love could easily write arrange and record an amazing love song there were a lot of good bands in new york in 2002 only one band made this record and i do think that turn on the bright lights is an amazing record i i know that i'm influenced by my love of joy division and it sounds like all of a sudden joy division got resurrected they cleaned up some of the production and came out with an album in 2002. So it, it probably maybe unduly influences me. Um, I love both of these albums. This is a tough matchup for me, but I'm going Interpol. So I, I think you might be right, Scott. It's going to be up to Keith in our final matchup of this round to determine what happens. And I don't know. I don't know if I like your chances. You may not go four. four you may not go four now. We'll have to see. Uh... First of all, was it really vehement disagreement? I, I thought it was mild disagreement. It was all right, fun, mild. <laughs> we actually, I don't know if we ever get into vehement disagreements. Maybe, maybe we would have more, maybe we'd have a bigger audience if we got Yeah, to. yeah, maybe. Maybe we should get a little nastier. You know, and I, and I do have one, one last thing to say about Wilco. So as Keith and, and Scott know, because I, I send them a picture pretty much every time, I, I go to Chicago a lot, like probably every two to three weeks. And the hotel that I usually stay at is literally right next to Marina City, which is the the two towers that are the album cover for Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. And there are times when my room literally looks out into those buildings. So every time I'm walking to my hotel or leaving my hotel, I woke up playing in my head because it's like the album cover is so iconic and it, it immediately triggers like a Pavlovian reaction of me having heavy metal drummer or Jesus. <laughs> or war on war or you know, some wilco song from that album playing in my head so yeah and i i do love both of these album covers uh i think uh they're simple but classic 
Yep. Uh, also, one last thing before we, I'm building the suspense here before we hand it over to Keith. I, I spoke with Matt, my former podcaster, and I asked him about this matchup. And he, and he picked Wilco too. So uh, I, I feel uh, uh, I'm starting to like my chances a little better. Maybe uh, maybe it's false confidence. Let's find out. So the original Music Nerds Unite picked, uh, picked Wilco to move on, but <laughs> that doesn't really carry much weight in this particular episode. So, Especially um, since we're admitted Wilco fanboys. Exactly. And, you know, you know, you know, Matt still has, a, you know, still carries weight in these here, you know, um, halls. Um, but I'm going to carry the deciding vote here. Um, Scott, I'll, I'll just disagree a little bit. You know, you've been around, you know, music well enough to know that, you know, an album doesn't need to have commercial success to have an impact on the music scene. And I say again, you know, that Turn on the Bright Lights maybe didn't have a commercial success, but still had an impact on on music um, in, you know, in the early part of the 2000s and, you know, and thereafter. So it's not, a, it wasn't, a, it wasn't intended to be a commercial you know, album, it wasn't, and, and I either said, was. I said it was influential. You said it changed music. Well, I said it. I meant to change music in that you know a lot that came after it was a byproduct of the, that album. And I I believe that that's true. I I think that that it had an influence well beyond most other albums of you know of similar quality, right? Like. It influenced music. To me, it influenced music more than Wilco did, right? I'm not talking about, you know, how great the albums were, but I think, you know, the explosion of this, you know, of Turn on the Bright Lights into, um, you know, into the music scene was a, you know, revital revolution and revitalization of, you know, a certain type of energy into, um, into indie music that, carried on into other artists that came after them. Um, Wilco is, it's a, it's a great, you know, it's a, it's a grower album. You know, I, I don't know if I hold it, you know, Jeff fired, you know, half the group after the, you know, during or after the album. So I don't know how I feel about that part of. You know. <laughs> one guy during and one guy after. Yeah. So, you know, he was exerting his uh, his power over, you know, over his bandmates. But he they created they created art, right? They created an album that's sprawling. Um, it's I would sort argue, of a, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. I, I would argue that in both cases, those changes had to happen. The drummer was a much more straightforward player. Uh, this was a much more abstract type of album. It didn't really fit. The new drummer was really simpatico with, with Tweety, so that changed totally. Maybe, maybe it's not. It's not a you know. It's not obvious as a listener to say the drumming in that album is you know is a differentiator. Uh, um, because little, I'm, I'm a little. I'm getting a little too nerdy here. No, well, I I don't know. You, do you think you can tell a difference that that the drumming is a differentiator? It and, is a different you know, drumming, yeah. I, I it's a different that. drummer, but I don't know that I can tell, say that the drumming on that album is, 
you know, is great. And that's why it's a great album. You know what I mean? Well, and Jay Bennett was, was pivotal to the band, almost as important as Tweety in many ways. But if you do watch that I Am Trying to Break Your Heart documentary, yeah. you'll see that he had to go. Well, right. They're, but he, he impacted this album, too. So I, I, yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, anyway, um, it is a, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a deep album, right? Like you, it's one of those albums and we've talked about albums like this before, where you discover new things every, almost every time you listen to it. Right. And um, it's part of why Larry, I'm sure, you know, it's, it's a driving album, right. Where you can listen to it over and over again. And like it, you know, the song, like a different song will pop in, pop up where it has a different impact. And it's different each time and, and you find something new each time. Totally. Yeah. Um, at the end of the day, you know, I'm looking back at, at the bracket from the 70s. And, you know, we've talked about this, you know, we've talked over and over about Joy Division. And to me, you know, when I thought about this matchup and when I like even after I've sort of researched, you know, not researched, but like listened, you know, to them back to back and thought about them, there is sort of a parallel between unknown pleasures and rumors and Wilco and, and, um, and, you know, turn on the bright lights in that, you know, what, one is sort of, you know, more traditional, you know, rock, album that sort of look they're both they're they're both um derivative in a sense that they're leaning on sort of you know music from the past right and they have their influences and they wear them on their sleeves and i i do you know i i do think you can draw parallels between uh foxtrot and rumors as sort of you know straightforward almost commercial but not you know but but deep, you know, much deeper type of rock albums and, you know, the heavier hitting, you know, more driving force behind, you know, Joy Division and, um, and Interpol. And I'm going to go the same way as I did in the 70s um, and, and go for the, the, the album that just hits me a little harder. Um, and that's going to be Interpol. So. Four for four, baby. <laughs> four for four. You just lost. No, but I said that I was going to lose. <laughs> so I still okay. won. Four for four? I think you are four for four. You're three and one. But four that's for okay. four in what I predicted. Four for four, baby. Happen. Exactly. <laughs> I knew I was going to lose. I knew so I was going to lose. But, so and I, I, well, I picked rumors also. So there you go. There's a certain symmetry uh, to rumors. that. There is, and look, I I love, right? It, there's no losers in any of these because I think you know I think what people should, anyone who's listening, hopefully, is going to listen to both albums and make the choice for themselves because it's that it is that close, right? And hopefully, listen to them both multiple times because I think both of these albums warrant significant re-listens. Because again, we talked about it for both albums. You 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 get more from each time you listen to it. I, Interpol is a more immediate, right? It, it's a heavier hitting. It, it beats yeah. you over the head. It's more straightforward, yeah. Uh, right, so... Um, <laughs> it's, 
two great albums. Uh, again, it's a shame one of them had to lose because I, I do feel they both should be among the final albums standing, right? And that didn't quite happen. But hey, right. we didn't, we didn't, that. we didn't pick our Jesus song yet. Oh, that's true. Uh, I'll let you guys go first. I had, I didn't think about it. Well, maybe, maybe <laughs> they're both my, great. My gut reaction is Wilco. It's kind of their signature song almost, right? I mean, but they, that's kind of a brand new signature song too. But I think Wilco has a lot more uh, contenders for that slot, right? Yeah, that's so. For, for me, I mean, I, it's that's it. Now, I will say that having said, I probably listened to Wilco's Jesus Incorporated a hundred times, maybe not a hundred, maybe 30 or 40 more times than I've listened to, you know, Am I, am I a dick if I correct you and say Jesus, etc., not Jesus Incorporated? Oh my God, did I say Incorporated? <laughs> I meant to say etc. Sorry. Yeah. It's that, the Metallica version is Jesus Incorporated. There we go. I'm joking. Damaging, damage Incorporated. Damage Incorporated. Anyway, or, uh, um, so I, Murder Incorporated. Too much music or knowledge in my brain, all fighting. <laughs> I, I would, I would, I would pick. Actually, I would pick brand new. Just. Yeah, I just think it's a heavier, more emotional, more emotional, like song and more impactful overall. But they're both they're both great. I get I get that Wilco's Jesus um, is almost a flawless, you know, a flawless song. But um, I I think there's something about there's something about brand new. I would probably I you know I'll give it. I'd probably pick Devil over. Yankee myself. So. <laughs> I think it's the case like these two albums where there's no wrong answer. They're both right. phenomenal songs and two phenomenal yeah. albums. So uh, are we ready? Are we okay to wrap up, uh, recap this episode? I guess you're saying your deciding vote is for Wilco. Yes. For, for Jesus, yes. Yeah. I got to stick with Wilco. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's wrap it up. All right, to recap this episode, which again completed round two of this tournament, we had LCD Sound Systems, Sound of Silver, unanimously beating the excellent but more flawed album in Sif Jan Stevens, Illinois. And Larry, that was an easy call because, you know, I, you, you've spoken many times that have, that's one of your all-time favorite albums. So as soon as I voted for LCD, obviously they were going to win that matchup. And then we had Arcade Fire's Funeral, unanimously beat Brand News, The Devil and God Are Raging Inside Me, which we nevertheless all highly recommend, despite maybe feeling some conflict about it due to the non-musical drama surrounding the band's leader. And again, great album title and cover as well. So this sets up a great matchup of two of Larry's all-time favorite albums with Sound of Silver versus Funeral. So as for the other matchups in this episode, David Bowie's brilliant and heart-wrenching swan song, Black Star, beat The National's Boxer. Though, again, The National have many albums that are well worth checking out. And Interpol's Turn on the Bright Lights beat Wilco's Yankee Hotel Foxtrot, despite my protestations. I was outvoted here in what was an epic matchup of two modern-day classics. So Bowie will be going up against Interpol next, and that's going to be another tough one to pick. Overall... I feel pretty good about our Elite Eight matchups, despite my much lamented absence of the White Stripes. 
I can't stop talking about that. The next episode will head over we, to you. Like, I almost feel like we, this is like an episode of Top Chef where there's some sort of secret, like, last chance album kitchen thing that Scott's doing without telling us. And then all of a sudden we're going to be in the final four and it's like, and it's the White Stripes. Right. The winner, the winner's going to be the White Stripes. They have right, him. Him. Right, match match gonna come out as a deciding vote and yeah, like, yeah. make push He's the crash right on Zoom exactly. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> we all I'm sure we all have the albums that we wish you know we're still we're still with us that we still talk about. But you know I that, I don't have any rules, problems. Majority rules, exactly. Exactly. That's that's not after podcast either. I'm sorry. What was that? <laughs> but we don't keep talking about them podcast after podcast. Right, yeah. only, only one of us. Yeah, only one of us. Oh, sorry, guys. Although I did bring up Abacus <laughs> this episode. Too, so. so see, I'm not alone. We all have our personal favorites that we, we just can't let go of. All right, so the next episode, we'll head over to the Elite Eight. We'll continue to weed out the pretenders for the contenders in this tournament. Head over to FanDuel or DraftKings to bet your picks. The action is hot. <laughs> <laughs> once, once again, as always, I had a good time talking tunes with you guys in this episode. Have a good night, everyone. Good night, everybody. Nice.